This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Halfway through that, I realized I forgot to turn on my microphone. Uh, my kids say I have a loud voice, which is true. If you lived close by me and the windows were open, you would also know that. Uh, mothers, happy Mother's Day. If you're a mother here today, you understand my windows open comment. It's been a long weekend, everybody. All your windows have been opened. Your neighbors now know you live next door to them. I always just say to our neighbors when we're talking, we're a boisterous family. There's four or 45 children living in our house. Please forgive us. Um, I, I, uh, I do want to acknowledge, though, like Dave already did, I know that for many of you, Mother's Day is really hard. I was talking to some people last week who said, you know what, I, I'll see you in two weeks because Mother's Day is a hard day. It's weird, though, because I think when we um, talk about it in society, it's like really just a hallmark moment. It's just butterflies and roses, and your children made you breakfast in bed, and there were no shells in the eggs. But uh, I, I know that it is a difficult, so I, I'm praying that today on this day, and this is why, by the way, um, as a church, we, we don't um, have a Mother's Day sermon, so to speak, just because I know for a lot of you that it's hard. It's just hard, and we can, listen, in church, it's okay for us to acknowledge hard, yes? There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. Maybe next year we're going to preach on it. And uh, I know, because I have to do something that's like horribly difficult. Uh, but, but there's a whole book in the Bible that's about crying. The entire book is about like, let's take a day off and cry. Personal day. That's what, we, that's what we're going to call the series. I've just decided that now. Take a personal day. The book of Lamentations is all about that. We don't often acknowledge that, though. We like two fast songs and maybe two slow songs, one in between song. Correct? Mm -hmm. And the fast songs are meant to make us, and this is not theologically true, just like sociologically true. The fast songs are made to make us to feel like you, you yelled all the way into church, but now you got here and everything's cheerful. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. It's like you have to tell yourself that sometimes. Uh, we're finishing, uh, we're actually, no, we're not finishing. This is the, the last time you're going to hear me talk about All In today. And I, um, I, I do tell you that this, is, this has been harder than Leviticus for me, everyone. If only Leviticus could have been 70 chapters. Um, but I, I have been moved. I, I am your pastor, and I know that uh, it is my job to lead in this, in this area, but I want to tell you that I've been led by many of you over the last four weeks. Uh, your, um, your willingness to say yes to Jesus, to go all in for Jesus, has been um, both astounding to me and also deeply, deeply encouraging. I feel so blessed uh, to be your pastor and know that I would not want to preach this series anywhere else in the world. Um, so all in, by the way, uh, if you're just joining us today, maybe you came because it's Mother's Day and you're here because you're going to take your mom out for um, lunch after this. Take her somewhere good, by the way. Uh, but if you're here and you're just checking this Jesus thing out, um, I want you to know that as we talk about all in, and I, I am going to discuss finances today. I'm not talking to you. I know that if you're kicking the can, trying to figure out if like eh, what you even feel about Jesus, I, I want you to know that you can just listen with sort of half an ear. 
Uh, because in fact, the way that we come to Jesus is not by uh, what we do. We understand that theologically, that the gift of salvation is free. And there, there is nothing any one of us has to do or can do to earn that salvation. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus, man, I'm just praying that God will encounter you this morning. But, this is a big giant, if, if you know Jesus, oh, I'm praying that the conviction of God falls on you like you. I, I'm praying that if you're halfway in, that you, have, that you will feel inordinately uh, uncomfortable this morning. I am praying that you will squirm the entire message, the entire 39 minutes and seven seconds left we have together. I'm praying that you would squirm, squirm, squirm. Why? Because I believe that God's best for you is to be all in with him. That the way that you can live the most fulfilling life, the most abundant life, is by saying all of me to all of you, Jesus. And that there's no better way to live. Like, I, I, I want to, I, I want, I, if I could move my body in a way to make you actually understand this, the best way that we can live, the most fulfilling way we can live, is when we give our all to Jesus. And that's every part of us. And we've been talking about finances, partly because finances are a canary in the coal mine. Like, like finances aren't the whole thing, because you, can, you can't, and I've had a few of you say, well, like, what about people that give and they're terrible people? Like, I don't even know if they love Jesus. Yes, 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 of course, this is true. But I also know that what is true of me is that finances often, like, paint a picture of my own life. Like, none of us, if you're regular here, and I mean, if you're not, I would like to talk to you after church, but if you're, if you're really stressed about finances, would you not all agree, like, your whole life feels stressful? I can remember times in my life where finances were so, I mean, I told you, Dave and I pastored in a church where sometimes the offering was negative. So we got a negative paycheck that week. Uh, and I would be so stressed, and I would pray prayers like this, God, if you could just, like, help us with this one thing, I will never pray for anything again. Like, there'll be, I'll have no needs. I will never want to buy anything. I, I just... Okay, so this is, this is, and this is partly why we're talking about it. It's why Jesus talked about finances more than he did heaven or hell. And uh, we've been looking at four characters. Last week we looked at the children of Israel and how they came and they, they built the tabernacle and how um, Moses had to call a congregational meeting and say, stop giving! Everybody stop giving! And how I told you that that is my, that is my ultimate that is my goal, that I can stand up here one Sunday morning and say, listen, we have to have a talk. You're all giving too much. Please stop. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm like picturing it in my mind how that will go. And um, yes, Dave says amen too, because he really wants to do that too. We'll fight over who gets to do that. Uh, but this week I want to look at Joshua chapter 5. Uh, so in Joshua chapter 5, let me give you a bit of context for the verses we're going to read. Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. Joshua is young, and um, I don't know if you've ever taken over a job. Have you ever wanted a job promotion, and then you get the job promotion, and you think, nope, nope, I did not want this job. Anybody ever experienced that before? Like, because you think, I don't know what I'm doing right now, uh, and you're just sort of so, some of you young adults started new jobs over the summertime and you're in the I don't know what I'm doing phase. It will never go away. I'm just going to let you know that phase just continues on forever. 
Uh, but Joshua is in this phase, and they have come up to, the, uh, to Jericho. And um, this is his first true, maybe his second true uh, moment of leadership. Could he cut it? Were the people going to say forever, you're not as good as Moses? And so, understandably, we come to Joshua chapter 5, and Joshua's having a little bit of trouble sleeping. And so he goes out at night, and he takes a walk, and he's all by himself. And he's probably, we don't know this from Scripture, but he's probably praying. Verse, chapter 5, verse 13 says, when Joshua was by Jericho, the, the Hebrew word by Jericho means that he was actually at. The preposition here w- would be better translated at. When Joshua was at Jericho, and so ostensibly what we can see is that Joshua walked up to the walls of Jericho. He's kind of a gutsy guy. He's going up to these walls. We know that Jericho was a big, large metropolitan for, for, the, for, for the near ancient east. He was, it was a metropolitan city, and he goes up to the walls, and you can imagine him standing by the walls, thinking, God, what have we gotten into? He's told the children of Israel that tomorrow... <laughs> They're going to go and take down this city. And now he's at, he's at Jericho, standing there in the middle of the night. Imagine how much pressure this young man is under. Think about the most pressure you've ever been under in your life and multiply it. He's got millions of people that have crossed over the Jordan River. And if it doesn't go well for them here, they're annihilated, done. And because of his leadership... Yikes, like I I get worried about people sending me weird emails. That's a grave concern of mine every week. But this is a lot worse than that. This is like, you're going to be responsible for people dying if this doesn't work out. Okay, so he gets up there and then it says, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, we need to acknowledge a few things here. Joshua is like the Chuck Norris of the Bible. I don't know. I was trying to, all week, I was trying to think of Chuck Norris. People still know who that is. I think he had a resurgence in some time. So if you don't know who it is, I don't, I don't, I don't know who else to tell you. I tried to think about somebody else, but I am old. I don't know. This man goes up to Jericho. Somebody with a sword comes at, now, Okay, I don't have a lot of experience with people with swords, but if somebody came at me with a sword, no, 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 not asking them any questions. You know what I'm doing? Running back to the camp and saying, Jesus caused me to run. A lot of running right now. This is what he wanted me to do. No, Joshua is like, he's like a beast though. He's he's not only going to approach this guy, he's going to ask him, listen, are you for me or against me? So now if the man had answered, I'm against you. Done, done like dinner. I mean, I guess he had nothing to lose. So we already can acknowledge that in this chapter, we understand that Joshua is full of courage, which is interesting because it's related right back to Joshua chapter one, where God said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. By the way, the words that the Lord speaks over you actually have importance in real life. When God says to you, be strong and courageous, God's not just saying that to waste his breath to have a nice little euphemism over you. He's bringing courage to you. 
Some of you need to hear the word of the Lord today that tells you to be strong. You can't figure out how it's gonna work out. It feels like, it's like, it feels like there's no hope on the horizon. And God says, be strong. And st- He's gonna give you the courage. He's gonna give you the strength. So Joshua is full of courage, full of courage. And he says, are you with me? Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And here's how the man answers. And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord and now I have come. Okay. <laughs> You're in a conversation with people that you ask them a question they don't answer, right? And you don't know where to go with the conversation. Joshua has not asked the man a yes or no question. Are you for us or are you against us? The real, like the, the, the answer you'd be looking for is, We're, I'm for you. But instead the man answers, no. Do you know when I answer no? When my children, when I, it's usually around Sunday at, I'm going to say 7.45 in the morning, and my kids ask me questions like this, are you leaving, are, are you going to be leaving now? Or I just say, I say no to all questions. You have questions for me, the answer is no. I'm just no, because you're not asking the right question. The no here that the commander of the Lord gives him tells us something about, tells us something about the character of God. Now we understand um, the question is not, are you on our side? The question is, Joshua, are you on my side? And this becomes really, really important. It says, then it goes on to say, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy and Joshua did so. Okay, so the question we have to ask is, who is Joshua encountering here? Uh, we have a few clues. Number one, he's called the commander of the Lord. Number two, Joshua worships the guy without being rebuked. And we know from scripture, in different parts of scripture, when people would try to worship angels, angels would be like, no, 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 no. So it's not an angel we're dealing with. Um, and he's referred to as the Lord in the next chapter. This in Joshua chapter 5 is what theologians call a theophany. You can all, you know, try this out this week. I don't know how you'll work it into conversation, but, you know, you're an accountant, and you could say, I learned about theophany. Anyways, okay, so this is a, this is a theological term. It's an actual pre-nativity, um, pre-New Testament encounter with the person of God, so Jesus. So we actually believe that Joshua encounters Jesus as he's standing at Jericho. Now, this has really big implications for us today because we believe that Jesus actually interacts with his people in the same way today as he did in Joshua chapter 5. We understand that the God we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the way that Jesus interacts with us, we can learn all kinds of things I, I, I want to talk about four ways, though, that, we, that Jesus invites us to interact with him and what this has to do with us being all in. The first is this. Jesus invites us to surrender to him, always. Always invites us to surrender. He doesn't come as someone to get on our side. So, so some of us, we have, um, we've interacted with God in this way, like if I get a little bit of Jesus and I come to church like every once in a while, maybe every three weeks, then Jesus will be on my side. So when I go on the deer foot, I'm more likely to have angels around my car. (laughs) Or like, I'll come to church so often just before exams 
and then God will help me with that. And, and we work God over like he is some, like he is some vending machine. Now, we nobody actually admits this. But if we actually haven't surrendered to God, if the message that we must go all in is irritating to you, the question becomes, how are you interacting with God? Some of us, we think, like, we need him in our family. We need him because things in our life are overwhelming to us, or we don't want to die and go to hell. And so we think, okay, Jesus, fine. So when we come to God, uh, here are the things that we want to know. How much do I have to do? What do I have to do to get you on my side? What magic, magical prayer do I have to pray to get you to say yes to me? Uh, how much do I have to give to you? Can I, is, it, is it acceptable if I give 7.2%? Or do I have to go, I'm willing, if I have to go up to 12.3? But you can see that these are actually the wrong questions because God was never a God who's, uh, who will allow us to get him on our side. That is not the way of God. This is a completely wrong way of approaching Jesus for a couple of reasons. The first reason is you can never bargain your way into salvation. We talked about this already. The truth is you're all, we're all too mixed, mixed up. Like you, you can't fix yourself. I'm just, this is an anti-self-help talk today. <laughs> you're unable to. We need Jesus fully and completely to save us. And... Um, the gospel, the gospel is this in a nutshell, that you were never good enough. You'd never be good enough to earn God's love. It was something that only Jesus could do by living a perfect life and being a sacrifice for us. And so we say yes to him. This is why you can't say, God, how could I get you on my side? And secondly, uh, Jesus is the commander of the universe. I, I think sometimes we forget that. We just think, like, he's the Lord of this church. That's nice. Jesus is the commander of the universe. He will accept nothing less than total surrender. It is not like you can have your own little kingdom building and you can just say, well, like, we'll just do this. Uh, Jesus is the commander of the universe and he demands our surrender. There should be a weightiness to that. That should not come with the just like, yeah, 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 whatever. Well, there's a weightiness to us saying that. So here's my question to you today. How are you approaching God? Not are you doing enough to get him on your side or have you gotten him as a fighter in your army, but have you enlisted yourself as a soldier in his? It's a completely different question. The most important question is not is God on your side, but have you joined up with his mission and his agenda? And then when it comes to money, I mean, this is not just about money, but let me make this analogy. Rather than saying, how much do I have to give to God so I can go on about my life, we should look at all of our money as his. All of it. Jesus, what do you want me to do with this money? This becomes the question. It's all yours, and I'm a soldier in your army. And so every, I mean, I have a friend who told this congregation that every single purchase you make I, and I made fun of him because it was quite intense. Every single purchase you make, you should ask yourself, would Jesus buy these? It's kind of like hearkening back to what would Jesus do, but very intense on the money part. Well, you can be glad he's not your pastor. Uh, 
you're buying grapes, would Jesus buy those grapes? I'm not sure if he would. Green or red? Some of us, though, have left God right out of that entirely. Like, Jesus, you can have my voice as I sing in the key of Z. Jesus, you can even have, like, but, like, this. No, 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 no. If God is the commander of the universe, if Jesus himself commands the universe, there is nothing less than we can give him than total surrender. And this becomes easy. Like, if Jesus really is the commander of the universe, this is not a difficult ask. And some of us, we're just living in the land of doubt a little bit. Now, I'm never here to say that you're, I, I do believe that doubt is one foot poised in faith, but at some point, we have to say, where am I landing on this? I can't live wishy-washy forever. If Jesus really is who he says he is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, everything, then every loony you have in your bank is his. And when we lay down our life, it doesn't become hard. Like, listen, when I take my kids on vacation with me, they usually save up some money for themselves. They find dollars in parking lots. I'm sorry if you've lost a dollar in a parking lot. My children might have found it, thought it was the favor of God in their life. But when we, and you know, Eden's counting up her money. She's got 23 bucks. She's rich. Those were such good days when you thought 23 bucks meant you were rich. But anyways, now, when they get on the plane to go somewhere with me, they are not like, I wonder what's going to happen to us. We only got 23 bucks. How are we going to make it? No, she's going to spend that 23 bucks when we're in the Calgary airport. By the time we get on the plane, she's going to be flat broke. And she is not one bit worried about that. Why? Because she's with me. She knows when we go somewhere, it's not going to be like, cough it up. Where is it? Well, you're going to have to do dishes now. You can only order chicken fingers for the entire vacation. No, of course. Of course, your mom and dad are taking you on a vacation. They're going to pay for a said vacation. This is how it is with God. I mean, you're saving things. Yeah, you got your 23 bucks saved up. Good for you. God knows you're going to be broken five seconds flat. But you're with God. He is yours. You are his. He's taking care of you. We can get rid of all fear. This is why Jesus said, let the little children come to me. If you're going to actually be part of God's kingdom, you're going to have to become like a kid that goes, I know I have 23 bucks saved it up for you. And it's almost laughable. It's cute. You're so cute. That's what, that's what God is saying. You're just so cute. You, and you know, the difference between those of us that have money and those of us that don't, like others of us, just in the light of God's kingdom and eternity, others of you have saved up 31. And some of us are like, whoa, I'm really rich because I got 31 bucks. It's just funny. I'm sure God looks at, down at us and goes, you're just, you're just all so cute. One of you has 32 bucks, one of you has 27, one of you really spent it all on bubblegum and you got five, but like, I mean, in light of inflation, five and 31 bucks is like only the difference between two coffees. I'm still not over my drink in the airport <laughs> for 7.65. Ah. 
seven times four is 28. Like, like, listen, we all got nothing, so we might as well just say yes to Jesus. Okay, so the second thing, this, this scripture, Jesus, when he comes to Joshua, he demands nothing less than surrender. Are our lives surrendered? This, the second thing is that he invites us to follow him. So God is going to be doing the fighting in this battle. Joshua's at Jericho looking at the walls, but it's not, if you read on in the scripture, it's not like Joshua had a really good plan about how they were going to fight the battle. He had no hope. God was going to tell him the next day, hey, you know what you're going to do? You're going to going to march around Jericho. There is not a general in the world that would go, what a great plan. So wise and smart. Weird. Weird. That's what that plan was. And, and um, truthfully, God didn't need Joshua to shout and walk to put those walls down. God could have breathed, snapped his finger, spoken a word. He could have thought about it and those walls would have fallen down. But God invited Joshua to follow him. At no point does God tell uh, Joshua, when Jesus is talking to Joshua, at no point does he tell Joshua to go fight the battle for him. He invites us to follow him as he fights the battle through us. Whatever you are faced with today, God is not telling you, you know what, hey, hey, just if you could really get into battle mode, really work on your kung fu things. Try to pray for like more hours because I got some trouble with the devil. I mean, he's really coming after you. I don't think it's really going to work unless you pray in tongues for 7.3 hours. At no point does God call us to fight the battle. He fights the battle through us. We get to, we get to engage. You know, in Acts chapter one, by the way, in two weeks, we're going to start a new series called Movement. We're going to look at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one of the most complicated and moving books. I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to talk about this for a number of weeks. But in the book of Acts, how it starts off, Jesus, in the, at the end of the Gospels, the end of Luke's Gospel, he says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Okay, so now all the type A planning types, I know who you are, I'm looking at you right now. Uh, you know what you would have done? Made a spreadsheet about how that was supposed to be done. You would have made a spreadsheet, you would have marshaled the troops, you would have got everybody out there, you would have called 55 meetings, you would have been sweating right from the end of Jesus saying that. How are we going to get to the rest of the world? The adventurer types would have been like, yes, now we get to go somewhere wild. Uh, You know what Jesus said? Acts chapter 1, he comes back after he's told them the Great Commission, then he says, you know what you're going to go do? Wait. What? You're going to go wait for 40 days for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, uh, there's theological reasons for this, but I think the largest reason is that Jesus was reminding the church that the church would not be built on our sweat. It would be built on our reliance on Jesus himself. Nothing comes to us because we are fighting. It comes because God is fighting through us. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to know today that he's still saying the same thing. I'm going to, he's not saying that you're going to build the gates. You're not going to build the church. I'm not going to build the church. God is. And we get to partner with him. We get to follow him. And this makes a really huge difference in how we approach the mission of God. The question is not, how do we accomplish the mission and save the world? I mean, we've got, we got a big vision for our church. We, we think that 
There are many people in Calgary that are yet to come to Jesus. We want to be an open and welcoming place for that to happen. We think that there are, there are people's lives who are broken that the Holy Spirit can bring healing to. But I am fully aware that it is not us that will do it. We just get to be like 23 buck partners. We got 23 bucks saved up, Jesus, you got a billion. Okay, a trillion, infinity and beyond. I don't know what that number is. I just get to put my 23 bucks in. It's the least I can do. We get to partner with God. This is a powerful uh, truth. And so the question becomes, uh, what is the Holy Spirit asking us to do? What, what is the Holy Spirit asking you to do with that 23 bucks you have? No. I, I do know this. The Holy Spirit never says, you know that 23 bucks? Save it forever till you die. Because that doesn't even make sense. You know, my, my kids, we were getting ready to go on a little vacation, and Eden was clowning up her 23 bucks, and she was asking me, like, Mom, when do you think I should spend this 23 bucks? Do you think I should save it till we go on vacation again? Like, I don't mean, I'm not being rude to my 10-year-old child, but, like, you know what, you can spend it, how about when we go to the airport and your dad and I are so tired because we've been wrangling four children to the airport, how about you buy us a Starbucks then, like right now? <laughs> like I want it now. Why? Because I know that the 23 bucks doesn't matter anyways. Some of, you, some of us, this matters. You're waiting to like save up your money, all your money, for a rainy day because you want to have a really fancy casket or tombstone. And then the truth of it is, for most of us in this building, if we were to go to a cemetery right now, do you, know, do you know what would be true? We were to go and look at the cemetery. Most of those people whose names, we would never know any of them. Nobody would, it, the truth is, most, most of us won't be remembered. I know that is a depressing thought because I know your mom told you you're really special, which you are special to Jesus. But for the whole rest of the world, I mean, we're saving up money to be special for what? The Holy Spirit shows up in 59 places in the book of Acts. You can tell where I've been studying recently. In 36 of those, he's speaking and guiding and leading them in mission. He's speaking through them. So my question to you is this, is he speaking through you and guiding you in ministry? I know, I know, as soon as I was bolding this this morning and I was thinking a lot of you are gonna say, I'm not in full-time ministry. I work at, but when God calls you to surrender, all of us are in ministry. There is no such thing as like, well, you're the pastor, so you do all the, Listen, I just have a teaching gift, which means that I get judged more harshly than you, so. But we're all in ministry, all of us. All of us have a, you, you might be an accountant, you might be a buyer, you might be an engineer, you might be a doctor, you might be a nurse, but your first calling is to ministry in Jesus. So the question is, in your ministry, are you listening to the voice of the Lord? Have you asked God? About that. Now, there are some things that we don't need to ask the Lord about. He's already told us about them. You don't need to ask, should I be good to my children? Should I be good to my spouse? Should I have bought my 
spouse a Mother's Day present. No, I'm just kidding. If you didn't, that isn't meant to incite guilt to you. Um, you don't need, we don't need to ask, should I be witnessing to people? No, Jesus already told us about that. You don't need to ask, should I be tithing? Yes, you should, because Jesus already said that the 10% is his. And by the way, we've talked about this before, but if you want to just say that that wasn't in the New Testament, well, in the New Testament, we're supposed to give it all away. So, I mean, just maybe the, the Old Testament is just a good starting place. It's a good starting place. L- listen, and also, can we just say this? If God is the king of the universe and we're like stingy on the 10%, we won't even give 10% to the king of the universe? Weird. That's just weird. Like, God, you're everything. And we're singing, like, you're my way maker. You're my miracle worker. But also 50 bucks is too much for you. This, this is like a night. This is like, this is like the guy that's a millionaire. And he gets engaged to the girl. You're everything to me. You're everything I've ever wanted. And he goes to a vending machine and buys her an engagement ring. Nothing shows it. Now, I'm not saying that your presence, but, but are, we, are we really asking? Is God asking all that? No. What I want to ask, what I want to ask the Lord is this. Holy Spirit, yeah, of course I'm going to do the basics, but what about, what about, what about more? Well, that's a scary question to ask. What, what, if, what if God's asking you to give more? What if he's asking you to serve more? What if he's asking you not to just sing songs in nice maroon chairs? He's asking you to actually lay down your life. What if he's asking you to go on a short-term missions trip this year and use your skills somewhere else in the world? What, what if he's asking you to ask somebody over for dinner and that means that you've got to do some cleansing of your house? What if he's, like, like, my question is, are we asking him, God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to follow you? This needs to be a sincere ask that we're getting up every morning and saying, God, how can I follow you today? This is what Joshua was doing when he said, okay, when he laid down and worshiped. Let me get to my next point here. Uh, let me just say this. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. I, w- I want you to think of the miracles that God has done in your life right now. What if saying yes to God every morning, God, what do you want to do through me, would exponentially increase those miracles? Like, here's what I know. When, when I'm not asking these questions, there are times in my life where it just feels like you're on a hamster wheel, you know, the feeling, and you're not really, you're just going through the motions. And you know, I mean, God, we sang it today. Even when I'm not feeling it, you're working. Even when I'm not, okay, God's always working. But I do know when I get intentional about getting up every morning and saying, God, I'm all in with you. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? God somehow has this way of doing miracles in and through my life. And there is nothing, listen, there is none of you here that is outside of the realm of doing miracles for the kingdom of God. See, miracles come through your life. Not one of you is, I know some of you are thinking, I'm just not like the miracle kind. I've got a lot of things in my life. Yes, yes, you do. We all do. But when we get up and say with intentionality, God, I want, I'm asking, I'm all in with you today. Where are you leading me? That changes everything. So God invites us to surrender. He invites us to follow, and then he invites us to worship. When Joshua sees Jesus, he immediately hits the deck. He verbalizes his surrender, and then he takes off his shoes, and this is an Old Testament sign of deep respect for something holy. 
I know some of you, when, when we're reading this, it's important that we understand, we read the context. In some places they've said like, oh, so now we're all gonna take off our shoes. And it, 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 it was an Old Testament sign in that day and age of deep respect. So Joshua takes off his shoes and for um, God's primary agenda for you is worship, by the way, because he wants us to know that he doesn't need us. Remember what happens in the story, God knocks the walls down. What he is after is our hearts. God is not after your money. He is after your heart. Whatever you worship, you put ultimate value on. Whatever you feel like you have to have for life and security. What is it in your life? We've asked this question before. What is it in your life that you feel like you have to have to feel secure? To get in bed at night and be able to sleep and close your eyes? That, my friends, is what you worship. The question I often ask people is, what's keeping you up at night? This is a very good discipleship question because it tells us what we actually think we need for life and for security. And there have been seasons in my life that that thing has been money. I'm like worried about it. Like, God, what will happen if we don't get paid this week? And like, this is when we had negative offerings. And like, I'm like 27 and I'm gonna have to like go bankrupt and default on my mortgage. You know how your brain, when you're laying down, something about your brain just spirals way out of, And then we're gonna end up on the street destitute and living in our car, which doesn't work very well. You know. So what do we do when we're worshiping other things? We realign. So this is not about feeling guilty about it. Some of you are alone and you you get in bed at night and you think about how you're all alone. You go round and round and round circles about that. That's a sign that you're worshiping that, that you've worshiped relationships. We can worship relationships, by the way. We can worship community. We, uh, sometimes I, I get really worried about what's happening here. Like, what if people, uh, and then I realize what, what I'm worshiping is like some kind of institutionalized, no, I, I have to keep realigning myself to say, no, God, everything I need, everything I have is found in you. And that's how we get all in. You don't get all in by like trying to do all the, 25 things like this week I'm going to be all in because I'm going to stick up my hands really high we get all in by saying Jesus all of me to all of you all the things that I'm worried about God I'm giving those over to you because you're the most important thing in my life generosity is not something he wants from us but something he wants for us because when we loosen the grip on our money when we say God all of it is yours there's one other way that he gets us all of us so I've given you these questions that we've talked about every week. What does what you do with your money show what you love most? And Pastor Harmon last week said, why don't you get out your bills and see what that says? We can do it now because it's digital. What does what you do with your money show what you trust most in? What does what you do with your money reveal what kingdom you are serving? And what statement does your giving to God make about his value to you? Listen, our our giving problems are always worship problems. So, okay, so i just be very transparent with you. I hate talking about money. Hate it. And I told you this. It's probably about me more than it is about you. 
It's probably about my own insecurity about it. But I am aware that as a pastor, that my primary job is not just to like smile at you in the foyer, although I like to do that, try to remember everybody's names, That's, I like doing that too. My primary job is to call you to a deeper worship with Jesus. It's my primary job. We do that by unpacking the word of God. But I recognize, I was reading Ezekiel today, and Ezekiel, basically God's talking to the prophet saying, listen, if you don't tell people, it's the blood is on your hands, and I just felt like, oh, it's weird how God's word speaks to you like this. My primary job is to cause you to worship with greater tenacity than you ever have done before. Greater tenacity than you've ever done before. Our giving problems are always worship problems. And so this is why I got to talk about giving. Because I want to call you to be worshipers of Jesus. Not just church people. I mean, I'm happy if 500 of us show up on a Sunday morning. I'm happy about that. But what I want more than anything is for people to worship with freedom and not with shackles. If you don't give generously, it's because money is more a source of pleasure or security to you than Jesus. I wrote that line down and thought, I will not say that. I will just think it. But it's true. If you don't give generously, it's because money is more of a source of pleasure or security to you than Jesus. Worshiping Jesus is the way to joyful, cheerful giving. This is why we don't give. This is why God said that he loves a cheerful giver. You're my treasure, Jesus. You're my trust. Let me just say this in conclusion, that um, Jesus invites us to surrender, to follow, to worship, and he does invite us to win. When Joshua encounters Jesus, he has his sword raised. Do you know when somebody raised their sword near ancient, do you know it's a sign of victory. You don't raise your sword like until you've actually won the battle. The raised sword of Jesus means he's ready for a fight and he's planning on winning. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, when Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore go, he is raising his sword again. Victory is assured and assumed. The great commission begins with a great announcement of victory. And the um, question becomes, do we actually believe that? Do we actually believe that Jesus has called us to this battle where he has already won? Some of us are standing on the sidelines, sort of like, um, like, I don't know, we'll just see how this works out. Yeah, I, I often will watch movies with Dave like this, particularly action ones. Even, even though I know who's gonna win, I just feel, I'm nervous. I'm a nervous movie watcher. Blankets like, like to this. Some of us, that's how you're living your Christian life right now. Even though you know the ending of the story, it doesn't even matter if I know like it's a Marvel movie. You know the good guys are going to win. I'd still, like, some of you, this is exactly how you're living on the sidelines. You haven't gone all in because you're like nervous. I know you're going to win Jesus, but maybe not. So we'll see. I'll maybe give 3.2% and then it'll, um, we'll see how it works out. Everything seems like it's going good. 
I want to call you to be courageous on the battlefield today. Square your shoulders back in Jesus' name and say, God, I'm going all in with you because your sword is raised. You've already won. You are the God that I can trust in. I want to call you to a new kind of courage. I want to call you to Joshua 1 courage where God says, be strong and courageous. And Joshua goes, so the last three weeks, I, I, I was picturing this in my mind. You know, in Joshua chapter 1, God says, be strong and courageous. And I imagine in Joshua's head, he's like, okay. And then God says it again, be strong and courageous. Okay, okay, maybe I'm going to do this. Week three, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And finally, we get to the fourth or fifth time that God's saying, be strong and courageous. And Joshua squares his shoulders back and says, in Jesus' name, I am going to be strong and courageous. We're going to cross this Jordan River. We're going to get up close to the battle of Jericho. Jesus is going to lead us, and God is going to win. And I get to be part of that winning. It's nothing better nothing better than being part of a winning team yes if you've ever been on a losing team it's the worst in the world but when you're on the winning team it doesn't matter if you did anything you were the water boy it's still great you go out on the court people put Gatorade on your head this is how we get to winning this is how you get to be on the winning team you you already know how to get on the winning team just say yes God I'm gonna be on your team I'm gonna go all in okay so I'm gonna ask the ushers to come I'm gonna do a little bit of a um, yep, they're going to hand out papers to you. I didn't give them to you before because I know what happens. You just read the paper and doodle on it. Um, the paper is simply this. It says all in. Now, I know there are 20,000 ways that you could be all in, and you can write them on the back if you want to acknowledge these. But these, yep, you're just going to hand them out. Give a bunch to every row. Grade three style. Just get people to pass them down. I even provided you with pens because I know nobody has a pen anymore. I'm going to wait a minute just till we... We have ushers that are really giving full service today. It's like the grocery checkout line with talking in it. Can I get a few of you to help jump up and help some of the ushers? Otherwise, this is going to take us about one year. Thank you. Sorry, moms, that I put you to work today. <laughs> okay. Here's what you're going to do. I want you to just, just look at this for a second. I, I want to get very practical here. I thought I could wedge it in between other things to make it easier. Like, also, I want to get water baptized. Also, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And of course, listen to me. You cannot, you cannot buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. If you've never said yes to Jesus, today is your day. Say yes to Jesus. Go all in with him. 
But I, I want to talk to those of us that have said yes to Jesus for a minute. It is easy, it is easy to go, yeah, 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 wasn't that good? I feel really convicted. And then we go home, and then we go to the, to the Herschel sale that's on at the BMO Center right now. There, there is something, actually, psychologists tell us that there's something really important that happens when we write something down. Uh, it actually does something in our neural pathways that changes the way we act. We have a, a bigger chance of acting. Now, many of you are here, many of you are here, and you already tithe, and you already give to Kingdom Partners. I'm just, I'm not asking just for new people to say yes. I'm asking all of us to say yes to this. So maybe you've never tithed before in your life, and tithing has been offensive to you. Like maybe you're even offended I'm talking about it right now. Tithing is the only thing in the Old Testament where God said, test me, test me. Go on, come on now. I, I love that about God. It feels like he's like challenging us. Test me. I, I want to encourage you to test God. If it doesn't work out, listen, listen, I would go as far to say this. Listen, you tithe for the next 12 months and it doesn't work out. You go flat broke. You can't live on the 90%. You're destitute living in your car. I'll give you all. We'll get, listen, we'll find a way. Chad, I don't know if this is even legitimate, but I'm, I'm saying it now. We're going to have to find, we're going to give you your money back. I am not kidding about that. You tithe and it doesn't work out. I'll give you your money. I'll, we'll, you tell me how much you gave. We'll know how much you gave. And well, I won't know, but Chad will know. And uh, we'll give it all back to you. Because God told us to test him in this. And, and then I'm going to ask you to do something more than that. I'm going to ask you to say, Holy Spirit. Now, now, we talked about this last week. It is not the amount. It is, if you are making $5 right now, a week. Well, then tithing is like 50 cents. So you're going to say, yes, I'm going to tithe. You make negative money right now, you don't need to give. But you're going to tithe when you do. You're, you're, you're just saying a yes to like, yes, God. And then I, I want you to go a step further to say, God, I'm going to ask you. I am going to ask you. I'm going to be guided by you in my ministry. And this other yes would be like, to kingdom partners. We, when we talk about kingdom partners here at Journey Church, um, that's everything outside of us. So like kingdom partners is like we give to missionaries, all of our outreach. Listen, we want to send every, we want to have enough money in kingdom partners that we send every young person on a missions trip because we know that's important for their discipleship, for their outward giving. We want to open up that homeless center so that it's happening all year round, not just for four months. We want to finish our kitchens so that we can help new refugees to Canada so that we can feed people. There's a million things outside of ourselves that we want to be able to do. And I want you to say to Jesus, all of my money is yours. I'm committing to ask every day. Are we good with this? I know. Listen, if I've offended you here today, I um, want to say sorry, but I'm not too sorry. Uh, because... Because the thing is, our giving matters. What we do with our money matters. It is not just about how loud we sing or how high we raise our hands. It's how we conduct our everyday life, and money is the stuff of everyday life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to check those boxes up. Listen, here's what I don't, don't lie though. Don't lie. I, even if you're doing it with gritted teeth, you can do it. Like I, I yes, yes, in my heart I'm saying, but don't lie. Check off those boxes. You're going to pray about it. You're going to talk to your spouse. As the worship team leads, you're going to, we're not going to stand up this morning. If you have a spouse, if you don't have a spouse, talk to yourself and the Lord. 
I'm only saying that because you can't make a decision. If you're married, you're one flesh. You cannot make a decision for the other person without the other person knowing about it. And then I want you to sign it. And then on your way out, you're just going to put it into the, there's buckets at the back. There's places, little baskets. You're going to chuck that in there as a commitment. And you know what I'd like you to do? Take a picture of it before you do that. So when you're scrolling through your photos or when you, when you put it up on your TV, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember to do that. I'm going to call us to be bold and courageous. I'm calling myself to this right now, too. Listen, if all of us tithed here, we could do all the things I just talked about. All the things. We'd finish our kitchen. We'd have a homeless center running all the time. We'd reach people in our city. But it is going to require that the people of God square their shoulders back and say, yes, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so, God, I pray for courage amongst your people today. God, where there is fear and where there is doubt. God, I pray that perfect love would cast out all fear and all doubt. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and breathe on your people now, that we would be obedient to your call, that God, our lives would line up with your kingdom, that we would be people that have a a, a ministry to you before anything else. God, where we have been, uh, where we have been just wishy-washy, call us to go all in with you. Where we have not known, God, what to do, I pray that you would now, just even in this moment, give us courage to know what to do. In the mighty and strong name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.